listening to the sermons from St. Timothy's Church. For more information, please check out our website at stTimothyStores.org or come visit us Sunday nights at 615 at the St. Mark's Chapel right here on New Cosby. So hear then the word of the Lord. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. For me, I was struck by in verse 10, like, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I just sort of, you know, I was like, that just, you know, for whatever reason was, was in my attention. So I just asked the Lord, well, what, what, you know, what do you want to say? And I felt like it was an invitation to, to pray more that way. And it's not like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's, it's not like, well, you're going to do whatever you're going to do anyway. So <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I want you praying to bring my kingdom down. You know, so I, I just felt it was a, an invitation to, to pray his will be done. And that's part of how his will is to be done through prayer, if that makes sense. So I just, I just felt sort of an invitation to, to pray more and to pray more for um, the kingdom of heaven to be you know, manifest around us. So 
But anyway, just want to, this is a way to kind of pray with the scriptures. We can read a passage. We don't have to try to figure it out. You can just look for, for anything that catches your attention. And then, you know, just ask the Lord what he would have you do or of what you have you understand and then to receive that. So, Lord, we thank you uh, for speaking to us uh, as individuals uh, through your word. And, Lord, we ask that you would also teach us, uh, teach us here this evening. Amen. Amen. So I'm uh, kind of calling this, for God's sake, give fast, pray. <laughs> so that's, 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 uh, that's how I would summarize the passage. For God's sake, give fast and pray. And uh, just a, a quick recap. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount here, um, and we'll, we'll have a few more weeks. We're going to basically take the Gospel of Matthew. There's like five major sermons or discourses that Jesus has, five major teachings, and the first being the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through 7, probably the most famous. So we're doing that this fall and we'll do, we'll keep doing that this year. But the first message we kind of looked at in the Beatitudes, who is blessed? That's what Jesus starts out. Who is blessed? And Jesus kind of says, blessed are the lackers, the lovers, those who persevere under persecution. So those who don't have, those who are sharing, uh, are loving their neighbor and those who persevere. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at, you know, who is Jesus? So Jesus kind of He offers these blessings and then he kind of talks about who he is and he is the one who fulfills the Old Testament. So all the law and the prophets and he calls his followers to a higher standard. Right. So he fulfills it all and he calls us to a higher standard. And last week, Emily took us through six examples of that where Jesus will say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And he's sort of elevating the discourse. He's saying, listen, I want you guys to have. I want my followers to exhibit the highest, the most exemplary uh, kind of moral and ethical behavior. And we looked at two in in a little more detail with non-retaliation and love. Right. So that we're not it's not just an eye for an eye. If someone gets you, you get them. It's turn the other cheek and, in fact, love your neighbor or love your enemy. So love people who wish you harm. And those are two very um, kind of. Nonviolence, non-retaliation, and love of enemies that are very uh, distinct to the teachings of Jesus Christ, and very, um, I think, applicable to our to our current. There seems to be a lot of hate out there. So, and so, in, in this week, uh, we're going to see Jesus' higher standard applied specifically, kind of, to religious life and practice. If last week was kind of like more like public life, social life, this is religious life and practice. And so, what we're seeing here is that. Jesus is calling us to exhibit private religious zeal. And he doesn't want us performing a public religious show. Right? So we are to give, to fast, and pray for God's sake. Right? These are acts done in secret for God. They are not acts done publicly so that everybody can think that we are religious people or think we're wonderful. So for God's sake, give. We give privately to God. Um, And just real... Real briefly, I would say, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about money, but basically, to break it down, we're to earn money, right? So we work, we use the, the skills, gifts, talents, abilities that God has given us, uh, we give money, we save money, and then we spend money. So that's, and that's sort of the order that, that we do. I mean, a lot of us might, uh, a lot of typical American culture, we might spend the money first <laughs> before we've earned it. And, uh, sort of consumer culture tells us to do that. But biblical wisdom is we, we earn money, 
And then the first thing we do when we have it is we give. We give money. And then the second thing we do is we save money because, you know, bad things happen. You know, uh, uh, unexpected things happen. So we want to save. And then we spend money. So kind of a 10-10-80 principles that we give 10%, we save 10%, we spend 80. That's kind of biblical wisdom. And give money. We give money to our religious community. Um, and we give money to our neighbors in need. We give to people in need. And that, I think, is specifically what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. We heard it from uh, Psalm 24. Uh, a basic idea of stewardship is that everything belongs to God, right? God owns everything, right? The earth is the Lord and everything in it. So everything belongs to God. He gives us everything we have, okay? And we are to steward it well. So we give some, we save some, we spend some. But we steward in a, in a godly way. Um, and I just want to read to you a Proverbs 19.17. This really captures, I think, kind of what Jesus is talking about here. But Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So when we give to people in need who are worse off than we are, the Lord counts that, that we're giving it to him. That we are giving it to him. And that he will repay. It's almost like we're putting the Lord in our debt. That's how much the Lord cares about the poor and the needy amongst us. So when we give, it's... um, it's not ultimately about like, well, this is how I think of it. I have given to organizations and causes, and sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, that's great. They use that really well. And other times you're like, well, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. For my experience, I don't regret any gift I've ever given because the recipient was God. Does that make sense? God is worth everything that we have. Now, are there organizations that I might not give again to because I don't think they stewarded it that way? Sure. But I don't regret any gift I've ever given because God is the primary recipient. Does that make sense? And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. And Jesus is specifically getting at, hey, folks, there are, wherever standard, you're, whatever your situation, there's always some folks who are worse off than you. And I want you to take care of them. I want you to give. So... For God's sake, give. We give privately to God. And I just want to give you a minute, two questions to think about. And you can write about or pray about. Or, But one is, what's your current status of giving? What are you, how is your giving going? And then secondly, how is God calling me to grow in this area? How is God calling me up to a higher standard? So we'll give you a minute to think of those two questions and then we'll, we'll move on. But what's the current status of my giving? Where am I? And how is maybe God calling me to grow in this area? All right, and we'll, we'll continue with our study here. So for God's sake, give. Give privately to God. We're obviously not going to share that because that sort of defeats the point of the passage, right? But just want to give you a little bit of time to think about it, where you are and where is Jesus uh, calling you. So for God's sake, fast. Fast privately to God. So what's fasting? So fasting is intentionally foregoing, uh, so intentionally basically not eating for a set period of time. So we don't eat for a set period of time. Now modifications can be done, so sometimes it'll be like, I'm not going to eat such and such foods, 
or sometimes it can be for a set period of time, or sometimes it can be an activity besides eating. Okay, so, you know, people talk about different kinds of fasts. So I'm fasting from, it could be uh, from television or from social media or something like that. But the idea is we're going to intentionally not do this activity. Traditionally, it's mostly around food and eating, but it could be about anything. And the reasons, um, particularly uh, biblically for it, for fasting, is that it's a sign of repentance. So it's a sign of of sorrow. It's also a sign to increase uh, discernment. So if you're look, seeking God's will, I don't know what to do. I've got a big situation coming up and I don't know what to do. Um, people will often fast for discernment. And also just to focus more attention on God. So um, just to draw closer to, to, to God. So those are some reasons why, they, why people fast. Uh, I would say there's probably two main, uh, two big ones in at least the New Testament. The first is, of course, Jesus fasts for 40 days before his public ministry, right? Which is a long time. <laughs> and, uh, but that's how Jesus prepared himself for a very intense uh, public ministry. Um, and, of course, he's our example. He's our, you know, model. And so if Jesus needed to fast to prepare himself, then probably we might need to as well. Right. Um, so I, I'm, there's not a ton about fasting. Jesus kind of assumes that his uh, followers are fasting. He doesn't say go fast. He says when you fast. But I think if we're following the example of Jesus, if Jesus needs to do it, then we're probably going to need to do it, too, as well. But Jesus did it for 40 days uh, in the desert as preparation for his ministry. Um, the other uh, important figure is Paul. So in the in the book of Acts, chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are they're like they're pastoring a church with uh, three other pastors and the church is all fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit speaks in the service and says, set aside Paul and Barnabas um, and they do set them aside and then they pray for them and they commission them. And Paul and Barnabas go on throughout basically the Roman Empire planting churches. So basically Paul's ministry, if you will, starts with the church fasting. And Paul, I mean, Jesus is obviously the most important, but Paul is in a very important New Testament figure. He writes half the books of the New Testament and uh, plants most of the churches in the New Testament. So, again, I would just submit, like, if Jesus needed to do it before his ministry, if that's how the church figured out what God was up to with Paul and Barnabas, um, it's pretty important. So it was important. So here's what I would... uh, and well, let me say this, there are definitely reasons not to fast. You know, I would say anybody who's had like an eating disorder, this is not a good one for you. Um, you know, there might be medical reasons like like uh, with blood sugar and that kind of stuff. So what I would suggest is figure out like an alternative to fat, fast, but maybe not with food. Right. So it doesn't have to be with food. That's traditionally how it's been done. But um, so here's a just two quick questions. What's what's the status of my current fasting? So how am I fasting? Right. And this is not like you do this all of the time, right? Because the idea is you do it for set periods of time. But it, what is your history with fasting? And then secondly, what is God maybe calling you to give up for a time? What is maybe God calling you to give up for a time? So we'll give you a minute to think about that and then we'll come back.
right? So for God's sake, give. For God's sake, fast. And for God's sake, pray. And I've intentionally put the prayer at the end because Jesus has, this is, he has more teaching material on the prayer. And uh, so I just wanted to spend a little bit more time for that. So for God's sake, pray. Pray privately to God. And one of the things that Jesus says here is pretty clear is that pray knowing God already knows. Okay, so when we're praying, we're praying as though God already knows. So don't think that we're giving God information that he doesn't already have. Now, so some, some people might say, well, what's the point then, right? Why would I tell God what God already knows? Well, I mean, basic communication, we communicate to exchange information, and, but we also communicate to build relationship, Right? So when we're communicating, so when Emily and I are talking to each other, sometimes I know something that she doesn't know, she knows something that I don't know, we're, we're, we're exchanging information. But that's not all the communication that we do. We do communicate also to build our relationship, right? That's what we're doing in prayer. We tell God what God already knows, not because we're informing God, but because we're building a relationship with God. So, you don't have to like narrate your day, everything that happened, but you share what's important to you because what's important to you is important to God. Does that make sense? We're building a relationship. So we pray as though God already knows because He does. And we're building a relationship. And we pray as if God cares because God cares. Right? No, not in Matthew, but in Luke. Uh, Luke pairs the, um, the Our Father with another short parable about parents, right? He says, hey, which of you parents, if your child asks for a fish, gives them a snake? Or if your child asks for, uh, you know, for bread, gives them a stone? And he says, listen, it was kind of funny. He said, even though you, even though you who are evil know how to give good gifts... How much more your heavenly father, right? It's basically he's speaking to a crowd. He's saying, listen, you're not all you're not all the best. okay? but you know that when it comes to your children, you're not giving them snakes and you're not giving them stones. You give them good gifts. How much more? It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. And so when we pray, we know that God knows and we know that God cares. So we share what's on our heart. Because what's important to us is important to him. And then, of course, we pray the Our Father. Now, uh, some Christian traditions emphasize the Our Father as a prayer. So, like, pray just these words. And some Christian traditions pray uh, emphasize it as, like, a model. Like, this is how you should pray in, in, uh, in general. And those are both... It works... It's not one or the other. Like, they're both good. You know, um, the Our Father is an excellent prayer to pray as is. And it's an excellent prayer to pray in that vein. That we want to pray uh, recogni- recognizing God's uh, goodness, uh, praying our submission, uh, praying for provision, uh, offering and receiving forgiveness. So it's great both ways. So I would say pray the Our Father as a prayer. And pray the Our Father, like the kind of principles of it, if you will. 
And then the third thing that Jesus says is that seriously, we got to forgive. If you missed it in the Our Father, right? Because when the Our Father says, Lord, forgive me as much as, as I am forgiving others, right? In this text here, we have debts. So it's kind of a monetary thing. And sometimes with uh, forgiveness parables, Jesus, there's like a monetary. But basically, Lord, I owe you and they owe me. And let's all call it even, right? Well, let's forgive those. Let's let those go. And then if we, we didn't catch that from the Our Father, Jesus continues with it. So just so you know, like we, God is very serious about forgiveness. If we're not forgiving others, this is going to be a problem. So for God's sake, pray. Pray privately to God. Pray God. Pray knowing that God already knows. That God already cares. We pray the Our Father uh, as a prayer and a model and that we've got to forgive. So I just want to give you another minute. Uh, we got uh, a couple questions here, a third one. What's the current status of my prayer life? So how would you describe your prayer life right now? Secondly, is, is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Somebody or somebody's? And then third, how is God calling me to grow in this area? Right. So for God's sake, give, fast, pray. And what we see is Jesus is calling us to exhibit private religious zeal, private religious practice. He's not interested in us performing a public show. No public show here. And so I'd just like to kind of conclude with why. So like why? I mean, we can just say, well, Jesus says it, so we'll just go ahead and do it. And uh, that has some... um, some pull, but why? Why is Jesus talking about this in the first? Why does this matter? Right. And I think there's two dangers here. Um, there's two dangers. One danger is that we don't give faster pray. Right. Um, and I'll talk about why that's a, a problem in a minute. But one danger is that we, we don't we don't do those things. We don't engage in these practices. Uh, the other danger is that we give fast and pray for the wrong audience and the wrong reasons, that we're, we have poor motivations. Basically, we're putting on a religious show. And I think that's what Jesus is emphasizing. He's, his culture that he's speaking to is a much more overtly religious culture than the one that, that I would say that you know, 21st century North American culture is. So there's a lot of pressure. or there, It would be easy to try to appear to be more religious than you actually were because you would get like, you know, you get a little more claps, right? I I don't know that we're getting tons of claps today (laughs) with this, but in any event, that's what Jesus was speaking to. So my suspicion is for most of us today, the danger we're in is not that we're doing this thing for a public show, but that we're not, we're not engaging in these disciplines as much as maybe we could. so the two, one danger is we don't do these things at all. The other, we do them for the wrong reasons. But there is one promise, and the promise is a reward. Like Jesus talks about a reward. And I just want to talk briefly about, um, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of oblique in this passage. So it's hard to tell exactly what Jesus is saying. But from what we know of the rest of the Bible, I just want to share. I really think the reward here is transformation. That's the reward. Okay. And here's what I mean by this. Jesus calls us to this higher standard, right? So we're not, we're to, we're, we're, 
he calls us to nonviolence. We don't retaliate. We don't meet violence with violence. Okay? And we're called to love our enemies, to love people who hate us and to bless them. Well, that's really hard to do. Okay? That's not like sort of the natural human instinct. And so we can't just get there by willing it. We can't say, well, you know, Jesus said to be nonviolent, so that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try really hard at it. Jesus said to love my enemy, and I'm just going to try really hard. That doesn't really work. Okay? So what do we do? Well, we do what we can do. We engage in spiritual practices, which then transform us. Right? So we give, we fast, we pray. Can we give, fast, and pray? Yes, we can do those things. And by doing those things, it creates time and space for God to work in our hearts so that we become the people who can not retaliate, who can embrace nonviolence, and who can, in fact, love our enemies. Right? How am I going to love my enemy? If I'm not spending time in prayer, it's never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Now, I could spend a lot of time in prayer, and, you know, if I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, maybe that transformation doesn't occur. But here's the point. We do what we can by giving, fasting, and praying, and engaging in other spiritual habits. And then that opens up space for God to do what God can, which is really the transformed life. Does that make sense? I mean, I I really think that that's, that's the reward. And if you think about it, like, I mean, this is true for like a lot of things in life. You know, um, if you're playing sports, you can't just like try harder in the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I just need to be better at winning. It's like, you know what? People practice, right? You do things outside of the game so that when you're in the game, you can perform. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, well, I just need to try harder and be a great concert pianist. It's like you can't just book lots of shows, right? You actually have to do the work behind the scenes. And I think that's, that's what this is, is that the spiritual transformation that Jesus is calling us to inquires, requires that we put in effort. We can't make it happen, but we're active partners. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying, do these things. Give fast and pray and let me work on transforming your heart and becoming more like uh, him. And you know what? What's interesting about this is, um, you know, this is what is taught in Judaism. This is Christianity. These are these three practices are three of the five pillars of Islam. You find it in Hinduism. You're not going to find any religious group that doesn't uh, advocate these practices. So it's like universally known that these are helpful practices for developing the human heart, for making us more compassionate people. So Jesus is assuming that we're doing these things, right? When you fast, when you give, when you pray. And what he's saying is, here's how I want you to do it. But I just really want to invite us to just pursue these practices. Now, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no... Jesus is calling us up. So wherever you are, amen, you're accepted in Jesus Christ. But how can we grow step by step, moment by moment? And I just want to give you that vision of why, right? Jesus wants us to do these things so we can be transformed, so we can be the kind of people who love our enemies and who are salt and light. Amen? Amen. 
Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would please. That your words tonight would take root in our hearts, that they would produce fruit. Lord, that we would grow in these areas and that we would become more like you as a result. So, Lord, let these words of your uh, Sermon on the Mount take root in our heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, in a few moments, we're going to go uh, uh, receive an offering. So hopefully you have a, a little connection card here and you can fill out your information on the front. And then on the back, uh, you can write what you're thanking God for, what you're asking God for. And, um, and then we'll go ahead and receive uh, our offering.